once again to the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 161 on the road in Portland, working on Leagues Cup, but we don't stop to bring you the very best possible podcast that I can give to you. And I'm very excited about today's show. Before we get into the specifics there, a reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend of our wonderful little product, which is being heard all over the planet. And with that in mind, we're trying to expand it so it's not too much MLS, which we'll talk a little bit about in U.S. soccer. But later I'll be joined by Liam Weeks, who uh, is the Talk Sports Middle Eastern and Asian football expert. We always hear about Saudi Arabian football and the Saudi Pro League and about all these incredible players going there. But why don't we learn a little bit about the Saudi League? Maybe a little viewer interest can be created here because it looks like it's going to be phenomenal with this... Killian Mbappe news, which is making the news cycle everywhere. So we will talk to Liam about that and give you a guide as to how to follow it. Also joining us here, we're going double barrel in the business end, Jake Zivin, who is uh, the lead voice with Taylor Twelman on MLS Season Pass on Apple TV. He's called the Lionel Messi Games. We will talk to him about that experience. This is a quality show. I am wearing my production hat very proudly. Let's get started. The Soccer OG starts right now. So much keeping us busy here. I just got off an airplane from Portland where I did League's Cup. There is Women's World Cup. There are the tourists from Europe coming here in the United States. They're also in the Far East. We have Manchester City and Bayern play out there. If I was here in L.A., I would have gone to SoFi Stadium to see Arsenal and, I'm losing track, Arsenal and Barcelona. SoFi Stadium is so amazing. I, I know I can't really describe it, but it kind of looks like those futuristic movies where they have put, you know, like Logan's Run, which I know is very dated, thousands of people into a city inside a dome, right? It's like they're, they're sustainable there. And you, you look up at the top and the people look like paintings, but they're real. And it's all modern conveniences. It's all technological advances. It's a, it's from, you know, I, I, you always like to leave stadiums, right? At the end of the game, you don't want to leave that place. There's this comfortable, a comfortability. Look forward to seeing it in major games in the future. I'm going to get to these guests, folks, because uh, I'm really excited about what we have. Uh, Jake Zivin, who called the messy games will join us right here in the first business end, and then we'll have a second business end with Liam Weeks, who does as an Asian correspondent for Talk Sports. Uh, he was kind enough to do this call middle of the night for me, and we talked about Saudi football. And Saudi football is a mystery to me, and I believe it's a mystery to everyone. And the first time we hear about Saudi football is, oh my God, all this money. And we don't even pay attention to what club is signing these players. We go, he's going to the Saudi League. And we don't know what they're trying to do because there are some good intentions. Now, I'm very critical. I don't like this throwing money at intellectual property and almost trying to claim it as your own. And that's kind of what the Saudis are doing because uh, they don't have that intellectual property. And I can understand why they're going for it. And if you have piles and piles and piles of money... You can do that, and we'll talk to Liam about how they've done it with Formula One, how they might be doing it with tennis, how they're doing it with soccer, how they're going to be doing it with NFL. Because, look, this whole Kylian Mbappe thing, 
got the attention of all the NBA players. And like, wait a minute, he could potentially make more money than the 50 biggest stars or whatever it is in the NBA. They all want a piece of it. Everyone wants a piece of it because it's monumental. And as it last stands, Kylian Mbappe has turned down that offer, which is crazy. Uh, and then you know, Lionel Messi turned it. So maybe there's a, a pivot here with regards to what is happening in uh, Saudi football. But, and maybe that tap stops running because, I mean, money can't be endless, right? Uh, they're not expecting a huge return, but they need some returns. Uh, they've done well with the golf. Live Golf, you know, made PGA react. And those golfers that went to the Live Tour have been vindicated. So you're going to enjoy the conversation. I just want to set it up a little bit here. That's coming up later on the Soccer OG. Everything you want to know about the Saudi football, how we can possibly watch it. I mean, there's some interesting clubs. And I had to do a, uh, ahead of this, I had to do some research about Saudi Arabia in general, about the country. And I've learned a lot from Liam about what, and call me ignorant, and there's going to be a lot of ignorance on my part, but this is what I want to do. I'm, I'm tired of going, Saudi, this, Saudi. I want to know about the Saudi League and what's going on and place these clubs in the cities that they are and which players going here and how they're going to play each other and what is the hierarchy of these teams. We will get that. I promise you, if you are a blank slate like I have been, you will appreciate this conversation with Liam Weeks. And if you want, Jake... Zivin is a tremendous up-and-coming broadcaster. His voice is going to be heard more and more about being there, about what was going on in Miami on those first two games. We'll talk to Jake. Uh, he's an open book, too. He's a tremendous interview. So those two interviews coming up in a double whammy business end here on the Soccer OG. What else is going on? Well, there's a lot of the summer markets going on. I mean, it's exciting. I, I, we've talked about AC Milan. We'll talk a little bit more about that coming up. I don't want to get too much into the weeds because we can separate those topics and flesh them out a little bit better. I mean, the Kylian Mbappe story has been an absolute sensation. You know, when I'm watching PTI and they're saying, what's a bigger story, Lionel Messi or Kylian Mbappe? And they both said Kylian Mbappe. It's It just goes to how the money is shaking everyone to the core. And I hope this service on the Soccer OG can help you get to know it a little bit better. It's gonna, it's already helped me know a lot better. I, I see what they're doing. I don't agree with it all. And I don't like the fact that you can throw money to it all. And remember, we have the Qatari League. You have the United Arab Emirates League. There's a lot of football going on there. They had the World Cup in Qatar. Saudi Arabia is going to want to host a World Cup. We know that in 2030. I don't know when that'll happen, but it's going to happen. Because they're being creative in the ways they can do it. They're partnering up with other countries in the Mediterranean. Um, it's going to happen. So you can shun yourself from it. It may all change in a few years. Who knows? Maybe we're, we're on all electric vehicles and we're not using the Saudi oil. <laughs> Fat chance. Fat chance. Uh, before I get into the Women's World Cup, I'll have a couple thoughts about it and... Did want to say David Silva retired. One of the truly underrated players. And I know people say that about everyone. But he was like a cut below one of the great midfielders when he was at Manchester City, right? One of the great, these Spanish midfielders that were so amazing. Ches Fabregas and uh, the group of guys that have dominated that. I mean, he was right there. Um, why can't I remember their names now? <laughs> those that incredible group of Spanish midfielders that dominated in Spain, dominated on the national stage, dominated in the Premier League. 
Uh, there's a new generation coming through. Of course, you know, Sergio Busquets to a, a le 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 lesser degree. Um, I don't have to go through them all. I'm just drawing a huge blank because I'm I, I, I put too much on my plate here. But David Silva, thank you for so many incredible memories. I love how he went to Real Sociedad, had a couple good campaigns there too to help boost that club, which are, I believe, playing Champions League football for next season. So uh, David Silva, a superstar who didn't get the credit, got a lot of the credit, granted, uh, but not thorough credit. Yes, Sociedad finished fourth in Spain. They're going to the Champions League. Big picture item in the Women's World Cup. Would they be able to uh, succeed in expanding the tournament from 24 teams to 32 teams? And I will talk about the U.S. women, and I'm recording this on a Thursday, a day after they lost or they drew with the Netherlands, where, I mean, I thought the Netherlands probably should have won that game. I mean, the U.S. had more chances, but they, they looked like they had the U.S. figured out. U.S. are getting a lot of criticism because they only used one substitute. I'm not going to here to criticize them. I don't think this team is all that deep. I don't. And it is deep. It's deeper than most. But what I've seen, I think Vlako Andonovsky is tightening the belt. I don't think we're going to see Megan Rapino. I don't know why she's there. I, I was wondering if she was going to play in this game because she was really bad in the Vietnam game. And if you're going to struggle against Vietnam, you're going to struggle against the Netherlands. Portugal's really good. That's going to be a very uncomfortable game for the U.S. That Portuguese women's team potentially could knock the U.S. out of the World Cup. So all eyes will be on that. I think Vlatko is going to keep it very tight with the subs. I think there's a couple players that he has learned he cannot rely on. You know, Alex Morgan has been pretty non-existent. She's not going to go anywhere. Trini Rodman and Sophia Smith were very wasteful in that game. They've got to be better. Uh, thank goodness for Lindsay Horan and Rose Lavelle combining when they needed it, or that would have been a very perilous spot, and the and the U.S. would have seen their chances of winning that group disappear. Would have. And that's a problem, because that makes your path to the knockouts a lot more challenging. But the big ticket issue of the Women's World Cup has been, could they absorb the 32 teams? And it is a resounding yes. There are, the games aren't, the games aren't spectacular. They're not nice on the eyes all the time. But I would say this happened in the men's tournament when they expanded the, the, the field and teams like Saudi Arabia or Egypt or you know, Costa Rica or whoever um, leveled the playing field by maybe getting defensive tactics. I didn't want to use those three countries. They just popped in my mind because Costa Rica was very different when they had that run in 2010. But you don't see blowouts anymore. Once in a while. You don't see 6-7-0 games. And I think we've had one or two 5-0 games uh, at the hands of the Zambians. Uh, Japan uh, beat them 5-zip. Germany won a game 6-zip. Uh, Brazil was convincing. They won four. Spain beat Zambia. So Zambia is the one that is getting beat up a bit, which is a little surprising because they look good in the buildup. But Philippines had a result. Granted, they leaned into the American players. And I don't know if that rubs people the wrong way, where it's not, it's not athletes from the Philippines. Uh, I'm, I'm a rugby player and a rugby fan, and so many national teams on the rugby level have gotten better because they have turned their focus of getting players who have a connection to their country who are from South Africa or New Zealand or Australia, because that's where all the talent is. So I'm okay with that, but you would like them to develop their country on the home base because there's a very, very few players there who call Philippines home. But what they're doing is amazing. So I'm, I'm all right with it. Uh, the host nation's struggling a bit. We saw 
Nigeria get Australia? That's huge. That's a huge result. We have seen Colombia get a win, maybe book their ticket towards the uh, the knockout stages. Jamaica tie France. This is what they needed to see. Because if you had blowouts, and I'm saying the the bottom, for lack of a better word, the bottom of the tournament is better. I would say the top of the tournament is not as good either. Germany's flexing. Spain is flexing. USA's down a rung. Uh, Sweden's down a rung. Norway's down a rung. That England is definitely down a rung. So I don't know if that's a good thing. I, I like the powerhouse teams. But I, I think first and foremost, you want to have a competitive tournament. And if you're doing that in the group stages, you're going to get that in the knockouts. And you're going to get teams that uh, are battle-tested because they've played important games in the group stages when they're in the knockouts. So the Women's World Cup is shaping up to be fantastic. I don't know how to call it. Uh, there's, I think there's six or seven teams that can win it right now. If the U.S. can flex, and I don't think that's going to happen, I still think they can win it. But I don't think they're going to run away with it. And it's going to be an ordeal. It's going to be heavy lifting. And we'll see what happens in that game um, against the Portuguese who beat Vietnam to Cerro uh, a few hours ago, really. So there you have it. I'm going to get into it. There, again, there's so much to talk about. And, you know, I love to talk about it, And I love having you here. The League's Cup has been excellent. We are going to talk to Jake Sivan. I called Portland Tigres, or it's Tigres Portland, that was a game that was highly anticipated. It lived up to billing. As I'm taping this, we have Cincinnati and Chivas and Club America and St. Louis coming up. I think the big Liga MX teams are going to perform well, and they're going to make the knockouts better. Lionel Messi and Sergio Busquets have been a sensation. They are through to the next round. We still haven't seen the top teams, right? LAFC and Pachuca. League's Cup has been a success. With Messi, without Messi, to a lesser degree, it's been a success too. So tune in. I'm loving it. I'll be on Sunday at PayPal Park. Earthquakes versus uh, Earthquakes versus Tigres. I'm trying to do a sneaky drive early, early, early in the morning to Yosemite because I'm crazy and I've never been there. And I'm trying to go there regularly now. So I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. But let's get into business end. Please stick around uh, for a fantastic conversation that we will have about Saudi football as I will be joined by someone who is in the Middle East. Liam Weeks joins us. That's coming up. But first, Jake Zivin, MLS Season Pass on Apple TV, broadcaster who called the messy games and is calling a lot of games for uh, League's Cup and MLS, joins us now. This is the Soccer OG. Rate, review, download, subscribe. Check out the Soccer OG on my YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. hear him laughing but uh, Jake Zivin who uh, is a road warrior in St. Louis joining us in St. Louis That's right. so what do you you've got Club is that the Club America St. Louis game it is uh, as we're speaking tomorrow night for us uh, I have a beautiful view of Bush Stadium the St. Louis Cardinals I love that, ho I love that hotel you like that hotel right it is wild huh it's like you were looking into the third base or the first base entrance whatever it is my, my Chicago Cubs are playing here tomorrow night and can, uh, no, you I, you know, I'm going to be doing, day game? doing no, it's at night, same time. So, which is fine. The real game tomorrow night is America versus St. Louis <laughs> city 
forget Cubs cards. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, it's too bad because Taylor, you know, Taylor's a Cardinals guy. I'm a Cubs guy, so this is like our grudge match. Oh, we're in town for it, there. but we they, they're not playing tonight. The series starts on Thursday, so. Well, it makes you feel any better. I've been there twice and there was no baseball. The ah. hell out of my trip, as I went over there, it was like 11 p.m. and the groundskeepers there, I could just see him. He made <laughs> eye contact with me. Like, That's the guy right there. He yeah. nodded. He's like, get out of here so I can get my work started at the crack of dawn. <laughs> so it's a tough business. But, you know, baseball, summertime is here. We always get this feeling that nothing's going on. I, I would imagine, Jake, in your world, you laugh at that. We are keeping mm. really busy, not just with this, but the Women's World Cup. And yeah. uh, just... I will get your thoughts on League's Cups because I'm I'm okay. I'm a I had my guard up about it, but I've been very pleasantly uh, impressed about it and the engagement of the Liga MX teams and the um, obviously the messy euphoria because you know we're yeah. used to the scraps here and I'm and like that's front page everyone's talking about it on you know I, I'm here in my hotel and ESPN's on they're talking I'm PTI had. What's a bigger story, Mbappe or Messi? I'm like, this is this is insanity. <laughs> yeah. Never had this. But uh, j- just overall, we're just the. I, I was, you know, I talked to um, Marco Garces, who works at LAFC. I uh, used to work at Pachuca, and he's saying, you know, this is making waves in Mexico because mm. these teams are losing, and you don't want they don't want to lose to MLS teams, and they don't want to get lose by four goals let alone so this is making news there so there's a impression being made which certainly applies to fans of league mx here in the united states but it's only going to get better too so how have you seen it the first 10 days having lived it uh so intimately yeah look we have certainly lived it intimately and and obviously Lionel messi's debut has has changed everything about league's cup uh almost in a way that it, it doesn't really matter what for those games, what the competition is, right? I mean, it, it, we've done both of them and it's just this huge spectacle and it's, it, they could be playing in any tournament, any league in the world. It wouldn't matter. It, it's a spectacle of, of Messi debuting for Inter Miami uh, well before, you know, Lionel Messi, um, you know, stated his intention to come play for Miami and it became pretty clear that he was going to debut during league's cup or possibly could. I was really excited for this tournament. I I think it's great. Like there's been talk as you, obviously you well know, we've heard it for years and years and years about MLS and Liga MX. Would they combine, right? How do they collaborate more? And, and when they announced league's cup, I thought this was the perfect way to do that, to bring it together because I think combining the two leagues for me, seemed a bit too much. It's a lot of travel. Um, It's it's too many, too many teams, right? You know, but League's Cup, um, if the teams take it seriously, which I think they have so far for the most part, you, you break both leagues for a month and you play this World Cup style tournament. I, personally, for me, incredibly intriguing and enthralling. I think it's played out that way through the first, what has it been? You know, week of the tournament. Yeah. I said minutes. 10 days. It hasn't been. It's been like five no, days. No, it's been like five days, but it feels like 10, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Not in a bad way. In a I, good way. I showed it's my cards thing. there. I go, Phil, what do you think about the first six months of this league's cup, uh, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's been great. I think it's been great. So I'm I'm all for it. And we were saying this a little bit before we started recording. As we're recording, the the big Mexican clubs haven't made their entry yet, right? You know, yeah. Tigres, Portland, that you're calling that tonight again as, as we're recording this. Monterey's entering. I'm doing Club America, their first game, uh, you know, tomorrow night again, as we're talking in St. Louis, Chivas hasn't played yet. Right. So we'll see, I think a little bit when, when the 
big Mexican giants come in, what, what that's like and, and how the tournament goes from there. But I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait for the knockout round. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on leagues cup. Yeah. It's a big responsibility for those clubs. And, you know, you always have to remind yourself, you have to big clubs do well, but the middle part and the, the, the lower end clubs for lack of a better expression, don't do well. League Mekis only has 18 teams here, so they can't hemorrhage right. too many ahead of the knockouts. You know, they need, they would want to see, and, remember, it's a 32-team tournament. They want to see 10 to, right. to 11, 12 make it. That's the thing. It's going to be lopsided. Like, in the knockout rounds, the round of 32 will look MLS heavy because there's, what, almost uh, one and a half times as, as many MLS teams as League Mekis. Nice MLS math teams. there, Jake. I was a math major at, at you uh, were? Carleton College. Was, uh, yeah, I was. I'm very proud I of wish, that, actually. That's, I would yeah. be proud of that. It's yeah, such there, a practical thing to know in everyday life yeah and i wish i was better i wish everyone was better at math amen though i get i get i was actually i said almost i'm wrong it, it, there's more than one and a half times right because there's 29 <laughs> mls teams and there's 18 league mx times teams so more than one and a half times uh almost anyway whatever yes I saw that so Zach galifianakis you know gif where the numbers are cracking his head when <laughs> That's that's me every day of my life trying to get through life for you, man. (laughs) Good for you. You have an edge. Uh, It's (laughs) I buried the lead here, obviously, with with Messi. That's why I wanted to talk to you about. And uh, obviously, uh, League's Cup is going to get better and we'll know a lot more about it by the end of the week when we'll know the round of 32. And then it's going to get really intriguing in this this single off. But Lionel Messi, um, you've had a chance to call two games. They have gotten two victories. They have booked their spot in the round of 32, which is great for Apple TV and all parties because more messy, more subscribers, more everything. Yes. Uh, from your you know, your perspective, um, let's go back to that first game. Um, just to, what was felt by you in that stadium about this historic moment of Lionel Messi coming out on the field? And then it was this incredible goal. Yeah, it was a total spectacle, man. Total spectacle. Like when you have you, have you been to that stadium? Have you been to Drive Pink Stadium? Before? I haven't. I yeah, not. It, so, you know, it's it was built as a temporary stadium. It's a really nice temporary stadium. No doubt about it. It's been a, a good home for Inter-Miami. Meant to be temporary before they their billion-dollar complex opens in, in Freedom Park when they when they finally build it. Uh, and, I would imagine know, this would speed the process up because now I think it will. Right? I would I would think so. Yeah. I, I don't know. I would think so, right? Um, you know, so been been to normal games at, at Dry Pink Stadium before. It, again, it's nice. Atmosphere's good. Um it was it was another world on Friday. I mean, it was like it's like walking into a VIP party. Like you're, you're, you're we're walking down on the field before the game, and and you've got Serena Williams and LeBron James and Kim Kardashian and probably a ton of like influencers that I don't know and can't recognize, right? You know, by sight. But um, David, obviously, you know David Beckham and and Victoria, um, you know, front and center, sitting what 10 feet from from Messi and 10 feet from Miami's bench because of how intimate the stadium is it, it's it's wild it's unlike anything we've seen in soccer in America um and it was just from that standpoint it was it was that that spectacle and then for Messi to to do it the way he did it i mean look it lined up perfectly um he earns a free kick was he fouled or how not they, i don't know there's probably they foul him? who cares so they, they right, why him. would you foul him? It was right there. I was like, it's perfect. <laughs> I, I, I was sorry to interrupt you, but I was, I was, no. I was watching the game on the, um, about to board a plane. I had to stop. I paused it. I go, do not let this go. Don't let it run. Cause something's going to happen. I paused it, came back two minutes later. And sure enough, cause you knew 
It was like oh, perfect. 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 And but for him to for him to to score, right? Like, okay, he's the best player of all time and he, he's got this free kick and this isn't the most pressure-filled situation he's ever been in. But he knows how many <laughs> eyeballs are watching it. It wasn't, right? But there is still some pressure there. The, there's expectation there. This is his Miami debut and he knew in that moment what him hitting that free kick perfectly, what him scoring a goal in that moment would mean for his arrival to major league soccer, to Miami, to North American soccer, how it would get played all over the globe. He knew what, what it would do. And he, and he hits it perfectly and he scores like that is greatness defined. It's like Michael Jordan making what should have been the last shot of his career, right? Over the jazz to win the NBA finals or over Byron Russell uh, to win the NBA finals. And, and like, it's just the great ones come through when you expect them to, but you expect them to because they're so great, right? And uh, to me, remarkable that that he did that. And what a moment it was for for soccer in this country. It's been viewed like a hundred million times. Just the social media clip all over the globe, yeah. and people are watching it in a hundred plus countries, hundred seven countries. It's it, 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 everything was perfect, perfect as everybody would have wanted, right? Including him. It was remarkable. Jake, there's no way he can be aware of the power he has. He knows he's a powerable human being, and the whole world stops, but there's no way. Yeah, because I don't know. it really is. It, the world really stopped. I'm, I'm doing Tigres, and Tigres is the Mexican champ. They have 1 million Instagram followers, they have 2 million <laughs> Twitter followers, which is great. Great. And that is, and I'm not, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to make it about social media because there's so much more to it, but just the instant impact. You know, some clubs in MLS are close to a million. You know, Miami's at what, 10, 11, 12, and growing and growing yeah. and growing. And it's just because of him. Just and because every everyone's clicking on it. It's I just it's stunning that you can become this big. It's crazy. And, I, and he and then he's and he, here. <laughs> it's here. He doesn't and he's always, he's never seemed like the type that cares about that, right? That no. wants that. Maybe he doesn't he, want to know, but it has to be. And I think I think he knows. And I think he it just, I mean, you look, you see him go to Publix, you see him, he, he's he's in, he's got a, a burger at Hard Rock, right? Like he's he's embracing the commercialism of it, uh, certainly, though that, that he's tweeting out the Apple link. So whether, <laughs> how, many, whether how many people do you think subscribe? Are Instagramming it? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. There has he has to be 450 million or whatever Instagram followers. And, they're and all they famous. idolize him. I mean, they idolize him. They'd say, oh, I'm just going to sign up because I love Messi. Yeah. So whether, you know, whether he knows or not, I don't think he's, he's not obviously the, the flash of Ronaldo who, who loves it or, or David Beckham, who I think knew what he was doing, right. When he came to the galaxy in 2007, did he know it would go this well, 16 years later that he would bring Miami uh, into MLS and then bring Messi to Miami from a business perspective, right. Did he know that his decision would go this well? Maybe not exactly, but that, that was always in his mind coming to the United States when he did. Right. And I, I think it is for Messi a little bit, but Man, I mean, it's been a perfect start in that regard for him. I rolled my eyes many times when David Beckham promised the world and go, okay, and uh, <laughs> he did, he did, he did it. So I, I, it's, it's. Just I think really... it's cool to see him. I think at these, like, yeah, I, he's engaged. I mean, it, it's, oh, it's yeah. also shows that he is committed to this league. And I believe Lionel Messi one day will sit here and go, I'm committed to this league. I'm going to help yeah. it grow. Whether yeah. it's Miami, whether it's somewhere else, whatever yeah. that looks like. But these guys do stick around. I mean, Beckham, looking at David's face after Messi's goal, 
you know, we, we cut our, our broadcast cut to him. It was probably 10 minutes after the end of the game and he's standing there and it looks like he's still in disbelief and in a, in like a, I can't believe this happened sort of way. I, I imagine there's a lot of pride in him, right? Because he helped, he's very instrumental in this happening. Um, like you said, he, there's no doubt he is all in. Uh, he is a, a very engaged in, in inter Miami and now this project with Lionel Messi. Uh, and it's great for the game in our country. It is. And we're lucky to have both of them. And I saw Victoria Beckham's face. She was emotionally yeah. moved because it's oh, been years. The kids of this. Are, oh. the kids. You got to take him out because it's one thing to say it and deliver it. It's he's a wealthy person, but he couldn't do this on his own. He got others involved, the yep. masses, and they've been oh. able to, to build this. Uh, so that's a lot of work. So I much yep. respect to what he's been able to do. Yeah, I'm going to this is the, the big thing that comes out of it. Obviously, we were wondering what act two would look like. They blew the doors off Atlanta United. And it looked real. It looked way too easy. And then you yeah. hear about the folks saying, oh, MLS defending, even though it was Cruz Azul in the first game, they, they would lump that <laughs> right. into MLS. Um, I will say, I mean, you don't have to mention this, but, you know, I'm from Miami originally. And when I see this video of fans pouring out there, it just reminds me of how that city is. I think Inter Miami are off to a great start. And you saw the supporter culture. You obviously were blown away by it. I, I think they'll maintain some of that, but it's not. Portland, it's not LFC. Yeah, not, yeah. I, I, that's I mean, fine. To, to be clear, Friday there. night, yeah. Friday night, the supporter culture was about messy. People yes. were there, and and Tuesday night as well, right? But like, you know, that spectacle was everybody's wearing a messy jersey. Uh, not everybody, and I think Some Arge- a lot of Argentina jerseys. A lot of Argentina, yeah. No, there was a lot of pink. Honestly, more more yeah. pink than Argentina. Good to hear, but I'm I mean like. I don't want to disregard La Familia and those that have been there since before 2020, right? Since before the MLS came into the league, because that there is a group of Miami supporters that have been there since before day one, and they deserve more credit and they deserve props for now getting to watch this, right? Being there day one, the OGs of Inter Miami, though it's not that that old, right? Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like so, yeah, I get it. So so I, I don't want to make it seem like everybody there is just on the bandwagon because there's plenty that weren't. Um, but Friday night, there were there were certainly it was about messy, which is fine. But yeah. Yeah. And like I did a post and I go, look, I just I think you're off to a great start, but let's keep right. that organic fan culture going, because that's what's going to drive this and make this very special. And I know Miami's capable of it. Um, they, it's it's just a strange sports town with all this yeah. happens so quick with the arrival of the heat. And, and, you know, everyone's you know, it's. You said Fort Lauderdale, Miami. It's a big gap there. It's and, tough. You know, it's it's tough. Be. I'll say this: like again, temporary stadium. It is hard to get out of there. Um, that parking lot gets backed up for a long time. So uh, it's a Tuesday night. I, again, I'm. I, I was always one. I grew up going to Wrigley Field, going to Cubs games. I grew up going to Soldier Field to watch the fire. But like baseball is the number one culprit of this. The game's three and a half hours long. It might be ten to one in the seventh inning. And you know, little ten year old me was like telling my parents, no, we've got to stay until the end. Right. Like I've got my little score. Get in the car, Jake. Yeah. And they're like, no, we got to get on the L. We got to get back home. Uh so I'm one that stay stayed always stayed to the end. But yeah. I understand in that situation why some might want to yeah. get them. I get it me too. And I've I've yeah. left many early many times early in the past yeah. uh let's talk about the perception because the people are going to say this is too easy for Messi. i i believe it's going to get harder it's not going to be like this i could not believe the space on these goals yeah. and it's is it is it so it's a question of um how atlanta played uh their status yeah. as a very poor defensive team right but even then this i i couldn't believe it was this seamless you know robert yeah. taylor looking like 
um, Robert Lewandowski. And it's just this insane. <laughs> it's, it, it, well, it, he scored that amazing yeah. goal. Was it week one or week two? Yeah. Robert Taylor did. In, in my, like, yeah, he's one been around. He's done well. Volley. So he has that ability. But now, my goodness, how much is he loving playing with Messi? How do you think it's going to look now with yeah, uh, I don't, I mean, the I'm, challenges here? Because now people are going, oh, he's going to win the League's Cup. They're going to make the playoffs. And I'm like, they might win the League's Cup. But <laughs> look, it, I mean, oh, they made such, even against Cruises, like the, the quality is was so, it just makes such a difference. I'm with you on, on the defense. Yeah, Atlanta is not, they're not a good MLS defense. They're one of the worst by goals again. Like that's, you know, not. It's like, that's just statistically, they've been one of the worst this season. I was surprised. So we, we sat down with Gonzalo. It was, before it was the, too easy. Yeah. Was we sat easy? down with, yeah, exactly. We sat down with Gonzalo Pineda before the game. And I said, you know, talked to him, blah, blah, blah. I said, what, what about Busquets? And he's like, yeah. He said, I told my team, everybody says messy, messy, messy. Busquets is the key. Busquets is the one getting messy the ball. So we can't let, let Busquets have time on the ball to find messy. And what happens eight minutes in Busquets has like, 20 yards of space, five seconds, plays it over the top to Leo, one nil, eight minutes in. And so he was, he was looking around like, and go, when's this yeah, pressure getting I mean, here? Okay. Exactly. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Right. Right. Like not, I don't think he's going to always have that much time. I wonder, like, you know, there was, a, there's been a lot of tweets about this. I'm sure you've seen people saying that Messi was not fouled by Atlanta. Right. Yeah. And so are did, some did teams going to come out and kick them? Are they going to kick him? I, I think so. Especially once it gets competitive. This, that's kind of what, what is required. And yeah, kick sometimes him, you just got to bring him resist. down. I mean, it's, you know, we, we love it. I, it's glad, it's for us commentators, for people watching from a neutral perspective, Messi running rampant with two goals and two assists. Cause I think they've now given him a secondary assist on Robert Taylor's first goal it, originally. And even at the final whistle, they hadn't given it to him yet, but I think it's now two goals and two assists. So yeah, that's awesome for TV. That's awesome for the neutral fan. Um, but for the opposing teams, it's not so great. And I think you'll see teams maybe approach it differently than than Atlanta did. And he did look, we, we're used to so many of these big stars coming over and struggling at the beginning. I mean, I remember well, obviously Zlatan scored when he finally got here, and there's there's cases of DDA Drogba, you classify as yep. a big star, yep. hitting the ground running. Yep. Uh, but how did you see Messi? Because again, I was surprised about how dominant they were when he's still gonna he's miles away from being where he wants to be fitness wise. I think maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe he keeps himself in tip top shape, but it seems like he's, that's still going to get better. Right. You know, he went 80 minutes. He uh, did, but the I way he plays, he doesn't, how, how, how fit. I mean, look, he's gotta be fit, but like, he doesn't he have to Diego Chara run. fit. Like, no, cause he's, cause he's, he's in a bad way. He's, wa- he's walking around, he's walking around, he's finding his spots. He's getting on the ball and he's going. Right. And then he's walking around, walking. He's not counter pressing, but that's fine. That's messy. I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but it's like everything you could possibly want crossed off the list, played well, combined well. It looked better for a team, just, you know, and made his teammates better. Yeah. And his teammates adore him. And I look, I, I spoke to some, we, we were sitting there and we spoke to some Argentina media that was there for the All Star game when I saw you in DC. And, you know, Diego uh, Macias. I forgot what he wrote for. He goes, what's amazing about the Argentine national team is they all grew up being Messi fans. They idolized them that they would die to make him, they would figuratively die to make him a World Cup winner. That's how much it meant to them. And I'm not saying this Miami thing, but we I've seen it in a little bit where these players are just like, you know, I part idolizing and just living in this moment of being a teammate. But then Messi returns it where he it feels like he puts them on the level. And I just can't. I mean, maybe when we talk about his playing, maybe he doesn't get enough credit for that. And again, I know this is a small sample size, but I've just been overwhelmed with 
how well it has started. Yeah, no, I think so. And I, I was so struck on Friday night when he dedicated the win to Ian Frey. Yeah. You know, the 20 year old kid. How smart who, can you be to, to, to oh, be to even know that he's been, he's been teammates with the guy for like five days. It's, it's a, it's a heartbreaking, you know, story in, yeah. in, in that he he's now torn his ACL three straight years. He did it in two straight preseasons, but hadn't played a game in two and a half years. He comes back. He's finally starting six, seven, eight games in a row, whatever it is on this big day, Messi's debut. And, Another one. And you could tell he knew immediately he was in, he was in uh, tears and it wasn't because of the physical pain. You, you know, you could tell it wasn't because of the physical pain, which certainly there was physical pain, but you could tell he just, he knew, I can't imagine at 20 years old, what that's like. Uh, and, and for, for Messi, for Leo to, to recognize that this has happened to a teammate that he's known for five days and to, to dedicate the win to him and then take a picture with his jersey, with the whole team. Messi's holding up the jersey after Messi's night. You know, this is right after he scores this amazing goal. It's a movie that he's written and he's the main character in. And he's dictating the plot to. And to, to make it, you know, to shout out this kitty and Frey, a homegrown, I, I, that says a lot. That says a lot about him. And it doesn't seem it fake. Does. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't seem it, fake. It doesn't seem fake and disingenuous. It seems... Uh, it seems real and and it seems heartfelt and and it uh, it yeah it, it doesn't seem disingenuous. Yeah. It's pretty infuriating, Jake, to be this guy who is the biggest star <laughs> in the world and to be such a good dude. That's Get out right. of here with this garbage! That's How right. How dare you? <laughs> but it is. You can't fake that. And these players are seeing it, and he's he's carving out the time, and it's great. And by the way, uh, Jake, uh, excellent job on that call, and oh, they thanks, use man. it in the promotional stuff. And I know as an announcer how you go through that moment, knowing when that goal is going to be and how to deliver it. And you delivered it. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm happy for you because you're a good dude and a great Thank colleague. You. Thank you, Max. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I was, uh, it's just, there's a lot of people that have watched it, which is, which is a little overwhelming. <laughs> Too many have heard me scream about Messi, but uh, you know, Hey, we, I, we, I, the goal was not to mess it up. And I, I feel okay about a little voice crack on, on them, on the messy. They clean that up on the Apple promotion, by the way. So thank you for that 30 second video. That's out. They, they, they clean that, that voice crack up. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm happy with, I'm, it's not about me. I'm happy with how, how everybody, how we collectively as a, as a production group covered that moment specifically. Um, you know, I thought that the images were, were amazing after the game, just the, the shot of the, is a sky cam or spider cam, you know, that immediately uh, our, our director, Jim Dodonna took that immediately after, after he scores and he, he's run into the corner and like, he kind of jumps into Joseph Martinez's arms. It was just this incredible, I think incredible shot, um, you know, and, and then shout out to credit to huge credit to Taylor Twelman, my broadcast partner for, for laying out as well. Right. I mean, he took, so the way it works, you know, Max, you, you yeah. make the call and then, and then the analyst comes in at some point yeah. as an ex to speak and, and Taylor, laid out for a really long time and he let the pictures do the talking. And for me, I think that's the right way to handle a big moment like that. It's, it's certainly the American broadcasting style of handling a big moment, whether it be a record breaking home run or, you know, an NBA championship or a, a game winning field goal in the NFL. Right. Um, and so huge credit to, to Taylor for, for laying out as well. And, and for all, you know, for the whole broadcast, I think, um, I think, I think we're all, we're all happy with, with how we covered it. And we're happy because we're all in this Apple TV family. We're Amen. very excited. And you're Amen. 100% correct about how to how to have those moments. And certainly Taylor Troman deserves his credit. And we'll get at least one more messy game. I imagine we might yeah. get at least two. 
We'll get two more in this league's cup and then we'll see. Where, no, who knows, man. Who knows? I think the sky's the limit for them in this tournament, right? Oh, I we'll guess see. you wanted more. Well, let's let the, let's leave the over under at two and a half. How's that? Two and a half more. You yeah. think? Okay. So that would be what quarterfinals, quarterfinals. or like quarterfinals would be the over under would be out in the round of 16. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not very good at these gambling lines. Me neither. I'm not, a ga- I'm not so, a gambler at all, <laughs> but your math is good, which is math important. guy, not a gambler. No. Jake Ziffin joining us here in the business and to talk messy Apple TV and leagues cup. We appreciate you, Jake. Keep up the enjoy work. Rest that voice. Uh, we'll be back with uh, Liam Weeks. We're going to talk a little Saudi football next. to the soccer OG and I had a, a conundrum where uh, I was talking about the Saudi Pro League and Saudi football and it was this nebulous thing where uh, I would I would I would say okay so and so is going to Saudi Arabia but I didn't really distinguish between the clubs I had no idea what was going on and the more I this summer opened up and these players and mass top players from Jordan Henderson to Riyad Mahrez to Cristiano Ronaldo to now this Kylian Mbappe rumor or this Kylian Mbappe connection I had to know more about the Saudi Pro League I had to know more about football in the Middle East so Liam Weeks joining me we had a little chat afterwards and it's like I, I feel like I've discovered this there's this undiscovered country which I'm rolling into Liam uh, he is uh, he is an Asian football expert who, who who's you'll hear him on talk sports uh, in the Middle East but he's also been with several clubs there, and I'll, forgive my pronunciation, Alin, Al Jazeera, Al Wada throughout the Middle East. Incredible story, and you're on the coaching staffs there. And Liam, I mean, it's uh, you're obviously in, immersed in it, but for for somebody who hasn't been in here, I, I just want to learn more. And, and obviously, interest has been peaked here because of Kylian Mbappe. And as I was telling you off there, it's it's almost creeping up to the interest that we're getting from Lionel Messi for scoring goals because this incredible amount of money. And obviously it, it looks like he is turning down that money. But I mean, how, is, how has that been received over there in the, the news cycle uh, where you are right now? Uh, good evening, Max. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, the story about Mbappe is front page news around the world. And it is no different here in, in the Middle East. Everyone is talking about it. Social media is full of it. And you have to remember the club, Al-Halal, they failed to sign Lionel Messi in the summer. He went to Inter Miami instead, despite uh, visiting numerous times, even during the season and getting a, a fine from PSG. Um, what we found in the last month, though, is a slightly change in position from the Saudi clubs. Traditionally, they've been going for Older players, your Benzema's, your Ronaldo, your uh, Ngole Kante's. Uh, we've seen Jota sign from Celtic. And now uh, Mbappe, he's 24. He is probably the highest priced soccer football player in the world. 24 years old, maybe not even in his prime. Captain of France, won a World Cup, got a runners-up medal. And he would, that would be the biggest transfer in, in world history. Not just for the money, but what it means to football and going against everything we ever thought was possible. It, it appears now he's turned down, which I and you mentioned the connection to Lionel Messi, and I'm thrilled that he's here in my backyard at MLS. But if I was consulting him, I would have told him to take the Saudi money, which was at 1.3 billion or something around there. And I don't want to be flippant about these totals, but I never 
heard such things. And now this potential Mbappe move for, you know, a million, which would include the transfer and his uh, his wages and everything else, would, would eclipse a billion dollars for one year. Are you surprised that these guys have turned it down? I mean, is, there, is that like a – because – I wouldn't turn it down. I don't know if you would turn it down. I, I, I would tell these guys not to turn it down. Yet, uh, is this is this a moment in time with the fact that Messi said, after Ronaldo obviously said yes and many others, Messi didn't, and then Mbappe now, at least for the time being, has also said the same. Well, if, if you can't get Messi, uh, Ronaldo's gone to your near-city rivals. The next best player, the next biggest profile player in the world is Mbappe. So I can understand totally why, why they've gone after him. Um, you have to remember that Mbappe's actually got experience in the Middle East. He's, um, his family adopted uh, uh, a, a boy many, many moons ago called Jiris Kembo Okuku. Now, Jiris Kembo Okuku went on to be a professional footballer. And he played for Alain and Al Nasser in the UAE, Al Nasser Dubai. And he also played for Al Jaish in, uh, in Qatar. And Mbappe, growing up, uh, used to come out here during the school holidays to, to spend time with his, uh, his adopted brother, Jiras. And I was lucky enough when I lived in Alain that Jiras Kemba Wakuku lived two or three doors down from me. Wow. Uh, and I, I used to see them playing head tennis in, in, the, in the street. And I used to watch uh, Kylian Mbappe, maybe 10, 11 years old, sprinting, going, who is this guy? And he trained with the Alain Academy um, just to fill up some time. And he was by far the best player then. So he, he has got experience of, of the Middle East, if you like. So that he definitely got guidance from his brother. But I think Mbappe has unfinished business in Europe. Yeah. Um, the Champions League, definitely he wants to win. He wants to keep at the top of his game. Personally, I would love to see him in the Premier League. Um, for sure, no club in Europe can afford to compete with the transfer fee that's been mentioned now because of financial fair play rules. Um, it's possible we see a, a transfer that involves players plus money, or maybe even a team will take him on loan for, for one season. Maybe that's a possibility. But uh, slightly disappointed he's not coming to the Middle East because I would love to have seen him in this environment and seen the, the media around him and how he would react. And uh, yeah, just a bit disappointed in a way, but I can understand it from a professional point of view. Uh, Liam, your phone would be going off the hook. And I know you appeared on CNN and I'm, I'm happy to have you on here. But I, I, I would think I was I was imagining I'm a bit of a head of the curve. Not across the board, but some people by necessity, people have to pay attention to Saudi football. And I wanted to ask you about that. But you're joining me from the, the UAE. And I know a lot of players have gone to the Qatari League. Before I ask you about the Saudi League. Those leagues, how far off are they, the Saudi Pro League, in interest, in level of play? Is, it, is, is there more than one big league in that area? Uh, you are 100% right. There's, there's more than one big league. Um, we participate in the Asian Champions League here. So uh, the four best teams in each country get to, get to play in the Asian Champions League each year. And the Champions League is split into two. We have the East. So Japan, Australia, China, and Korea. And then we have the West. So it's basically Saudi Arabia, UAE, Qatar, Iraq, Iran. Um, in terms of local football over here, the Saudi Arabian League for me is the best league in not only the Middle East, but Asia. 
And that's also reflective in the AFC coefficient, which ranks uh, leagues in, in Asia. And Saudi Arabia are currently number one of that. And that's based on their last uh, seven, eight years performance, not just in football performance, but how the league is run, the administrative side, the media side, etc. So you, you've always, already tell that it's a, a fantastic league. Um, the Saudi Arabian population as a whole are, are generally, generally quite big and strong and athletic. And this is definitely what you see on the football field. You see very high energy games, um, very competitive tackles flying in. And the thing that amazes me sometimes is the conditions which we play in here. Um, Saudi Arabia is oh, hot. When the league starts on the 12th of August, it will be 40 degrees plus. And it's not just that, Max, that you have to contend with. Saudi Arabia is a vast country. And if you're on the coast, such as uh, Jeddah, where Al Ittihad and Al Akli play, or uh, also Daman, where Al Ittifak and Steven Gerrard are, and Al Khalid, you have the humidity. And that's uh, a real killer when you're playing because you can't sweat or anything. It's you have to be acclimatized to play in that conditions. And then in the center of the desert, in the center of the country, you have Riyadh, the capital city, where you have Al Nasser, Ronaldo, Al-Khalal, who are trying to sign Mbappe, uh, Al-Shabaab. And there's no humidity. It's a dry heat. It's completely different. And then if you go down to the south of the country, you have teams like... Uh, <laughs> I had no idea. Abha. I just have oh. I feel so... No, I have no idea. But, and I, I looked at a Saudi map to acquaint myself with it. Before I spoke to you, Liam, and I go, I've never really looked at the Saudi map, and I, I, was, I was a little disappointed with myself, but I appreciate it as you're explaining it. Oh, it's it's, it's a, a very diverse country. So down south, we have the mountainous areas uh, on the border with, with Yemen, you have like teams like Damak and Al Abha. And these guys play at vast altitude. We're talking 3,000 meters above sea level, which would normally take you 10 days to acclimatize. So you have things like altitude sickness. So you're, you're going from it's humidity to dry heat to being up in the mountains where it is a tiny bit cooler, but the teams are continuously moving around, playing home and away twice a season. It's, it's a fascinating concept to deal with for the sports science team and the medical staff at these clubs. Oh, my God. You said 3,000 meters. I'm not an American audience, so I did the quick translation. That's 10,000 feet, which is... I believe, I think Denver is about 4,000 feet. That's insane. That is a uh, very high. And I wasn't going to ask you this, but you brought it up to my attention. I'm curious. And I'm curious. Sorry, I have my window open at my hotel. I was just telling you that. Uh, is this helping the Saudi player? I mean, we saw Saudi Arabia beat Argentina in the World Cup and perform admirably. They didn't make it up. And I imagine that's part of the reflection. But would you see that the players that are because to me, that's an important factor. I mean, if the Saudi league is improving the game there, then people in the West have to be, have to, you know, take that at a, as, at a grain of salt and say, okay, they're helping the game there. Because that's what we want to do in the United States. So do you think that, or I shouldn't say, it's obviously helping it. How far along do you think it has benefited the Saudi player there? Uh, the Saudi players, like I said, are big, strong, competitive, uh, athletic. And being able to, to play in different climates and your body going through such rigorous demands, if you like, can, can only be a good thing. And we regularly see the Saudi Arabian teams do really well in the Asian Champions League. Al-Khalal are the biggest club in Asia and the most successful. 
um, although they did lose the last uh, Champions League final to Uriah Red Diamonds, they also competed in the Club World Cup where they got to uh, got to the final losing against Real Madrid, I believe it was like 5-3 maybe. So yeah, they're, and, they're no strangers to... And sorry, Liam, that opened my... That really accentuated why I wanted to reach out because I watched the Club World Cup and I didn't respect the Saudi League and I was watching, okay, yeah, Flamengo, we have the Seattle Sounders here, maybe they can have a surprise. Then Al-Halal beat Flamengo and got to the final. And I watched them against Real Madrid and I was like, this is a very good team. And it wasn't these super superstars, but it was an excellent squad. And you can only imagine if they added Mbappe, that they could have beaten Real Madrid. I don't know. But that was one of the things that really piqued my interest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, they've signed Neves now, Al-Halal, from Wolverhampton Wanderers, another player who is in the golden stage of his career. Um, Definitely adding to the quality there. The next uh, Club World Cup, incidentally, is being held in in Jeddah. And Al-Ittihad, the Saudi League champions from last year, will be participating in that. Um, But yeah, you see on the national team level as well, we saw the Saudis' performance against Argentina. I was lucky enough to be in the stadium that day and in Qatar, and I could not believe what I was seeing. I really could not. And the king of Saudi Arabia gave everyone a national holiday the very next day to celebrate beating Argentina. It was in- incredible scenes there. Well, they beat the champs, but do you, is answer this question that you can further, uh, you, I guess you can further opine on it. But the majority of the Saudi players, from what I understand, play in the Saudi league. So is playing with this level of player that Al-Hilal and Al-Itihad and Al-Nasser are bringing in. Do you feel that's a big part of why they're succeeding, not only in this past World Cup, but by all intents and purposes moving forward? Yeah, look, the, the Saudi leagues of Saudi clubs, especially the bigger guys, uh, the big players, Al-Hilal, Al-Shabaab, Al-Itihad, Al-Akli, Al-Nasser, they have always brought in good foreign players, players that have the ability to play in the highest level in Europe, South America, and Asia. And if you're playing with these guys on a day-to-day basis in training, you are definitely going to improve. Um, you are right, all of the Saudi national team do play their, their club football in Saudi Arabia. Um, and a lot of the guys play together at their clubs as well. So the majority of the team is Al-Halal, Al-Nasr, Al-Ishad, Al-Akli, come from the big teams, you know. And yeah, their performance in, in the last World Cup was admirable. We were disappointed to see them not qualify for, for the second round. But we have the, the Asian Cup in uh, December, January now in Qatar. So it's very similar timing to the World Cup last year. And Saudi Arabia will be looking to win that, that competition. Intense to win it. I, 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 I imagine they do it. And look, there's a, with the big Saudi connection to Newcastle United. And th- those ties that bind here are so interesting because the clubs that we know are, you know, PSG with Qataris and Saudis uh, and, and certainly United Arab Emirates as well. There's those connections, but learning these clubs is interesting. Um, they had a, I joked around on social media and I said, I believe the Saudis are close to being a top 10 league. And I know we can't judge this, Liam, but you see these players, you watch the European leagues without being too specific. Can, what area can they compete with, do you think? And I know it's not a fair question because we don't know. Uh, it's not all apples out, but can they compete with with based not only on the star power, but the depth of these rosters and how many clubs you think could play at a high level um, with these European leagues? Is there a comparison? 
it's always difficult to to compare uh, a Middle Eastern league and a Middle Eastern club to, to those in Europe, uh, unless they directly play against each other. So we saw Hilal against uh, against Madrid in the Club World Cup. Um, the Middle Eastern players are technically and physically as good as any player in in Europe, South America, etc. The physical capabilities of these guys is is incredible. Um, the thing where they slightly let themselves down is the their tactical knowledge of the game. And I've had conversations almost every game where you're winning 1-0 in the 90th minute. Uh, I've got my right back making overlapping runs down the wing. And I'm like, what are you doing? Where are you going? We are defending a 1-0. It's like, yeah, we get a second. I'm like, no, 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 no. Come on, get back. So it's, they're, they're improving. And a lot of this, Max, is because there's... It's changed now. Right now, we are seeing um, a pivotal moment in football in, in Saudi Arabia and the Middle East. Traditionally, the academy system has not been well-funded. All of the money goes towards the first teams. And it's the be-all and end-all is success to the first teams. And there was no real long-term um, strategies within these clubs for developing players. Um, what we've seen now in the last six eight months is that clubs are spending a lot of money in revamping academy facilities, but also bringing in top quality coaches from around the world. And not just head coaches, we're talking sports science, uh, doctors, coaching staff, everything. It's, it's a real fascinating project, which is going on there. And on the back of that as well, the Saudi Arabian Women's League, like it's only two years old. But believe me, I think this could be the biggest women's league in the world within wow. four, four to five years. And they why are why would they be able to do that? Is that just is this because of the money as well? I mean, would they be able to lure the stars or is there what else is behind? Obviously, building the women's league creates a lot of goodwill. Well, especially for a country like Saudi Arabia, who have traditionally not had right. the best women's rights record. But seeing them do this, it is the money. And they want to have a top 10 men's league, but they want to be number one for the women. And this is, this is very, very possible, I believe. With them, there's not the same, in Europe, there's not the same money in the women's game at all. And they're able to attract these world-class talents. Um, you've seen clubs now already attracting world-class coaches, al uh and Al Nasser, for example. And they're really investing heavily in the academies and the women's side of the game. It's fantastic to see. There's so much to absorb here. And, and it's interesting what you said about the tactics, because that to me seems like, I don't want to say it's an easy fix, but if they had those other things in place, that's something that could be worked on and you would see results. And I, obviously bringing the coaching in is a big part of it, but that's a, I mean, if they want to be a top 10 league, I imagine that gets them there a little quicker than, uh, many would expect. Uh, I, I want to ask you, and, and I know this is so broad and there's probably no short answer to it, but we'll, we'll figure out is about learning a little bit about the Saudi league and the status of these clubs. Uh, I have the standings here. Al Itihad had an incredible year. They won the league. They lost two games in 30 and now they've added Kareem Benzema among other players. So that team, which was already amazing is obviously going to get better. Kareem Benzema, one of the great strikers, in the world's game. Al Nasser with Cristiano Ronaldo was a close second. And then Al Hilal, who we've talked about, who've done so well in the, the club world cup 
finished third, and that could have been the destination for Mbappe. But we've seen so many great European players, and I, and I, I lose track of it, and I know I shouldn't because it blends in, but I, I'm hoping that would change as I learn more and more. Uh, those are the big three uh, that come to mind um, in at least currently Saudi Arabia. How, how If we look at the Premier League and say they, are, they have six, they have a big six, they have a few other teams that compete at a high level. How do you see the hierarchy of the Saudi league? Uh, because obviously if it wants to be classified as a top 10 league, it has to be good from top to bottom. So what does that hierarchy look like, you think? Al-Halal are traditionally the biggest club in, in Saudi Arabia, the most followed club. Um, they did suffer last season, uh, and that was partly down to the three things. Uh, the Club World Cup uh, obviously didn't help. They had to then come back and fulfill fixtures that they'd missed league games. They didn't have enough recovery time. Um, the World Cup in the middle of the season didn't help things at all for them because most of their squad were in, in the Saudi national team and also the Champions League run. So they, they didn't perform as well as expected. They would be my, my favourites to, to win the league this year. Um, Al Nasser, with the players that they have brought in, uh, Al Hilal's biggest city rivals, and these guys hate each other. It's like any any city with two or three teams, which Riyadh has, Al Nasser, Al Hilal and Shabab. There's a fierce rivalry between these, these sets of fans. Um, Al Hilal... Al Nasser, Al Akli, and Al Ittihad are the big four. And the reason they are the big four is because they have 75% or are 75% owned by the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia, the Sovereign Wealth Fund. And although the other clubs have access to money through the Ministry of Sport, these guys are the big four who, who are going after glory this year and who are bringing the, the big players in. Not to say that other teams can't. I mean, the Ministry of Sport and personal owners are also supporting their clubs. And we've seen Alitafak bringing in Steven Gerrard as a, as a head coach and, and Jordan Henderson now. is uh, It's really incredible. It's definitely going to be a, a competitive league. And the league's grown this year. Um, last year, there's only 14 teams. They made a decision uh, a few months back to expand that to 18. So two teams got a reprieve. who were getting relegated and, and four teams have... Uh, I've come up from the second. Do you think they division. can maintain those extra clubs okay? Oh, 100%. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, we have, uh, we have three professional leagues, if you like. So uh, the top two are, are very competitive. Uh, promotion, relegation between the three. Um, we also have the King's Cup. The King's Cup is probably the best way to describe that is the Saudi Arabian version of the FA Cup. It's a knockout, and the winners have a Champions League place as well. So it's a very, very sought after and prestigious competition oh that's brilliant and let me ask you this also because uh, al Akli, i saw this video where they signed roberto firmino and by the way those additions of gerard and henderson you know <clears throat> liverpool supporters have to take a peek at this league at some point to see these familiar faces but al Akli signed roberto firmino and i think there's there is a perception that this isn't as rapidly supported in saudi arabia as it is elsewhere. And I, I would imagine that's false based on what I saw here, dozens of fans, hundreds of fans waiting for him and surrounding his car, excited that this man is playing for their club. What do, what is the turnout for these games? How well attended are they? And what is the, uh, the support like inside stadium and outside within Saudi Arabia? Um, the big teams are always having near to full houses. Um, since Cristiano Ronaldo signed uh, for Al Nasser, 
in, in January, the attendances went up 237% across the league. Um, some clubs have fantastic stadiums. Alita had an I'll actually share one in Jeddah, the King Abdullah Sports Stadium. That's a fantastic 60,000 capacity all-seater stadium. They fill that. Wow. And um, you have to remember that uh, in Saudi Arabia, women, men, children, they're all allowed to go to the football games. It's not like Iran where they have a, a ban on women attending sports events. So they're, they're very well attended. And yeah, Firmino in, in Al-Akli is massive. Now, Al-Akli, uh, traditionally one of the biggest clubs in the league, Two years ago, they got relegated to the second division. It was never, ever forecast that they could do so badly and go down. They won the league last year, the second division. They're now back up. They have the PIF um, financing. Uh, and like you said, um, Bobby Firmino there. Uh, I believe Mares is there. That's it's, right. Yeah. It's going to be a, a fascinating, <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But one thing we haven't touched on, Max, is a, a lot of these players um, – Mares, Benzema, Ngole, Koulibaly, they're, they're actually Muslim. And for them to come to uh, Saudi Arabia, it's massive for them and for their families, especially the guys who are in Jeddah, because you are only, oh, I'd say, an hour's drive from the holy city of Mecca uh, and the center of the Islamic world. So it's, it's really important for these guys as well. And looking at this, I'm, I'm looking at the, the leading... Uh, Muslim players around the world and I don't think it's going to be too long before we can see oh, imagine Mo Salah, Mo Salah yeah. Liverpool. so he could be uh, his contract finishes next year I believe he could be a one to, to come out here and he, oh. he'd be a very high, high profile signing I feel I, my ignorance is coming through because I didn't even think about that and that connection there's a perception of when someone goes to Saudi Arabia it, it's just for the money and I know that's a big part of it but there are so many other things that are appealing and not everyone uh, what happens in the United States or in the premier league appeals to the same group of people. And I think it's just a great reminder about that. And I appreciate you pointing that out because I haven't heard that anywhere. So uh, Liam, I, this has been fantastic. I would love to talk more about it. I'm, I'm ex genuinely excited about watching the Saudi pro league. It might be from this mysterious perspective, but uh, I think we all should know a little bit more because I think what's ha what happened to Al-Hilal in the Club World Cup is going to happen again. I think when you mentioned the King's Cup, Saudi clubs are going to find success. And look, these people in this sport follow athletes more than clubs. And the, the younger generation, I don't want to say that, but people generally do that. And that's why I thought Mbappe going there could be this benchmark moment. But if it's not him, it could be Salah. It could be so many others. But I will ask you this as I part ways, because uh, – I don't know how deep the money goes, but it's this is a crazy amount of money. Would the interest continue, do you think? Is there a long-term plan for soccer? Um, is there a – we know there's been going on with Live Golf and the Formula One. Is there a pivot for other sports that you might be heard of? How do you expect the, the Saudi sports landscape to look in five, ten years? I expect Saudi Arabia to be fully at the, the center of the football world and not just that, other sports as well. Now, in Saudi Arabia, we have something called Vision 2030. It's the Saudi Arabian government uh, attempt to diversify away from the oil revenues uh, with economic and social reforms. Uh, and this is really key. They've opened up their, their tourism. Now we have cities like um, Al-Ula, which is very similar to Petra in, in Jordan, fantastic ancient city. They're building the city of Neom on the Red Sea, 
which uh, I'm led to believe will be the Las Vegas, if you like, of the Middle East, rivaling Dubai. And that's a city they're building from scratch. Um, they also have something called uh, the Wall, which is this 100-kilometer building just running through the center of the desert. There's definitely incredible money, incredible investment going into the game. They want to be, like we said, a, a top 10 league. And I think once they've achieved that, they'll go on to be a top five league. Wow. Uh, it's no it, it's no short-term strategy here. They are looking long-term. And they've seen the failures, if you like, of the Chinese Super League. They've learned from it. Yep. They want to improve it. And when we go into, into other sports, we've already seen Live Golf and how they've invested heavily there and how that just... And, uh, and turned the PGA league. and made the PGA... Uh, <laughs> Turn, change their story at least the very at the very least. Actually, so they, they they they've changed the game of golf forever. Wow, it's one hundred percent. There's no two ways to look at it. Uh, I believe tennis will be next, mm -hmm. and investment in tennis. Um, for sure, I know they're in talks with the uh, the Indian Super League, the cricket, to to get a competition like that in in Saudi Arabia. We've already seen it with things like boxing. In Saudi Arabia, the UFC and Abu Dhabi. UFC, yeah. Um, there's there's a, a couple of um, NBA exhibition games played in in Abu Dhabi at present. I expect the same to be happening in in Saudi Arabia, um, and it'd be really interesting to see what they now do with American sport uh, things over your side, the baseball, the basketball, the NFL. See, would there be any investment in there? Although it's it's not a a worldwide sport as such, and there, especially the NFL, is very targeted towards the North American audience. There's there's definitely a lot of money, a lot of interest, a lot of sponsorship, and you have to remember a lot of this is to promote Saudi Arabia as a country. Historically, maybe not had the the best reputation, and it, what's happening at the moment really reminds me of what happened back in two thousand and eight when Manchester City were purchased by. A city football group headed by Sheikh Mansour bin Zayed of the United Arab Emirates. Before then, nobody had really heard of Abu Dhabi. Sure, you've heard of Dubai and maybe Qatar, but Abu Dhabi as itself was very unknown, if you like. And over the course of the years, Abu Dhabi has become a household name. You see it on the side of the fields uh, when you're watching the Premier League. You see Etihad, Etisalat, Alda, UAE companies. And Abu Dhabi's became a, a household name. And that's thanks to, to football, the power of football. Liam, one of the things that happened in our U.S. sports cycle is that these NBA athletes in particular paid attention to what happened with Kylian Mbappe. So the money piqued their interest. And look, I, I, with all of this has happened, I was, I'm obviously very reluctant. And I have some reservations about what's happening with obviously these astronomical um, salaries or what, what have you. But when it comes to the sport part, that's my connection. And I, I, I want to know more about that. And you've been incredibly helpful here and uh, pulling the curtain back. And I, I, I certainly want to know a lot more. So we'll hopefully continue that conversation. But Leon, thanks for your time, man. This was excellent for me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Max. It's great to speak to you. Liam, up and early, up at the UAE. I'm here late in Portland, but Liam Weeks, hope you enjoyed that. We'll, we'll certainly talk more Saudi Pro League. I hope you enjoyed Jake Zivin. I'm going to put a bow on it here for the Soccer OG. Uh, rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend, and we'll be back next week. See you then.